You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, happy Wednesday, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 2nd, episode 3238, brought to you today by Kemen Equine. Good morning, horse people. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. So true. Well, so in that vein, today I was getting the music ready. I said, I haven't played this one in a while. And then I said, I haven't really hassled Jamie in a while. So let's make oh, that today's assignment to hassle you as much as possible. And then I got to thinking, what do you dislike the most in the episodes we've done in the past? And one, I know, remember a couple of those episodes where I told dad jokes the entire episode. And you oh, loved God. those. My you father-in-law a- <laughs> sends them out every morning and it makes me crazy. <laughs> well, but I then I thought, how can I relate these to horses? So today is Dad Jokes Racehorse Style. What did the racehorse say when it fell, Jamie? Oh, God, what? I've fallen and I can't giddy up. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> An entire show those today. Aren't you excited? What's in the, I got one from my father-in-law. It was like, what's another name for a, uh, a, a, what do you call a small pony? A little horse, <clears throat> a sick pony, a little horse. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Stupid. Oh, let me take that one off. Uh, <laughs> do you have that one? You jerk. Today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about. Well, actually, we're going to we're going to do something that listeners have been, and auditors specifically have been asking for for a while, and that's information on uh, mortality and health insurance for your horse. Uh, we're going to start a series that we're going to do one of these a month, and today we're starting with uh, horse mortality and health insurance. Uh, there's super nice lady from Fry's Equine Insurance who's really good at explaining stuff. I got together with her and we put this segment together because it's so confusing. I used to be an insurance agent. It's confusing. And especially when it comes to the, the your insurance for your horse and your farm and your trailer and your truck and what's covered and what's not covered and all of that stuff, we're going to answer uh, hopefully a bunch of your questions today about health and mortality insurance on your horses. Who can Which get is, it? People are all always... Of yeah, people are always asking. I ended up having to get some coverage for one of mine. Yeah, it's and it's just yeah, it's, it's confusing. This is great to yeah. have. Yeah, and it's going to be it's a good segment today. I think you're going to enjoy that. Also, uh, I dug into the archives because you got a new puppy, and oh, I God. knew I had done a segment with Doctor Wendy a long time a long time ago, and she had done a segment about what to do with your dogs and horses when they're young, health wise. That will help them later in life. Oh, look at you actually so, being helpful. <laughs> so I dug that out. We're going to play that today, too. See, I'm not here just to annoy you. I actually <laughs> do some things that will help you out. Uh, what disease are racehorses most scared of getting, Jamie? Oh, Jesus. I thought this was serious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Hay fever. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I need a boom, boom, boom. I don't have that sound effect. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, you're so not the... going to get it from me. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the auto, we will have an auto post show for you today. The great tree adventure begins, and I got to tell you about Zach. We'll do that. We have a lot show. of content today to get to. Yes, too. we do. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff going on. All right, Mongol Derby is underway. They started yesterday. They're already into the first several vet stations. For those that don't know or are new, we've covered Mongol Derby what ten years here on the show. Um, so with the Mongol Derby, what happens is a thousand kilometer race. There are 43 riders this year in Mongolia, and they go to kind of, the, they rearrange the race route every year. But you're riding uh, Mongol ponies that you meet at that vet, at that station. Like when they first start, they pick their pony and they ride. They've never ridden it before. And they usually go 20, if it's 20 or 25 kilometers, and then they go into a vet station where they're all vetted out, just like a regular endurance race, really, with veterinarians and everything. And if everybody's good to go on, they ride on to the next vet station. And then on they a different keep, pony. They get a different money every time yes. and the thing is these are not your run-of-the-mill no. gentle trail ponies <laughs> they're ponies for sure they're not they real big but woof, yeah. they got an attitude and but when they go they go so you're not going slow either uh, but it is interesting. These ponies are all donated by the tribes over there who are nomadic. And uh, they horses are a big deal in Mongolia. They always have been since Genghis Khan, right? So um, so it is a big deal. There are a couple of things. There are riders from the United States, UK, Spain, Kenya, Sweden, Germany, Pakistan, Australia, Ireland, Philippines, and Canada. So all over the world this year. Wow. 43 riders ranging from 21 years old to 56 years old. There's 15 Americans, and as of the end of day one, uh, up there in the leaders, which, by the way, really doesn't matter because this goes on for like seven days, and a thousand things will happen to the leaders between now and finish. But I thought it would be a chance to meet some of the some of the people who are riding. And on Friday, we're going to have Devin Horn, who's done it several times, join us, and she's going to go over, give us an update after the first three days. But Judith Jekyll uh, really took a a, a, a long lead uh, and she is uh, she's from Germany she moved to Australia to study equine management and to work as a horse trainer so uh, she's probably qualified for this and sitting in second place is Holly Conyers. She's Scottish-born, but she works at a Patagonian ranch. And she happens to be the reigning Gaucho Derby joint champion. That's a race that's run by the same organization in Patagonia. Um, so she she apparently uh, did very well, although that's not really going to help her. There were mountains that the Andes Mountains are down there, and that's what they ride in the Gaucho Derby. And this is uh, the steps of Mongolia, a little different uh, <laughs> environment, different horses, too. Hannah Bickett has a really cool story. Um, she also rode in the Gaucho Derby and was set to do the 2020 Mongol Derby, but of course, COVID got rid of that. But she is a former eventer and has dabbled in racehorses, but now rides for the Household Calvary. The, the, oh, wow. For the Royal Cavalry. So, isn't that cool? Uh, so, there's a lot of cool stories in there, and we'll learn some more of them as we go through covering the Mongol Derby. If you want to follow it, I know a lot of you, it's what we call dot watching, because they all have GPS trackers, and you basically go on a map and watch the dots. They have it set up really well where you can see, you can do it by rider, you can do it, you can see all the riders together. It's just very well set up for tracking. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes right here on this episode. Okay. All right, so we'll talk more about that as the race uh, continues underway on Friday with Devin.
I would like to apologize too, real quick before we get to Daily Winnie's. If you hear any crying or whining, said puppy it is not happy not being in my lap all the time. So he's outside, <laughs> which is like a half mile away, but you can still hear him whining and crying. <laughs> I, I don't hear him, but uh, I was going to ask how okay. the puppy's doing. Now we know. <laughs> now we know. He loves me. <laughs> Happy birthday to two of our auditors, Tammy Fawcett and Melanie Miskowski. Happy birthday to both of you. We hope you have a terrific day. I would like to give my daily winning out to this happened fast. And if you guys want to get me in trouble. Send me a package because what happens when a package come is my husband gets it and he goes, what did you buy? And I was like, I didn't buy anything. I didn't buy anything. And he's like, really? What's this package? And our listener, Shona, who was at the Chingatig Pony Swim, uh, sent me a hat and a picture of the pony swimming. And it was just so sweet. And it was so nice. And thank you, Shona, so much for that. Um, And uh, just so you know, you got me in trouble. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So that's nice of her. I didn't buy anything. I didn't buy anything as a gift. And I didn't know about it. Usually they asked me for your address. So she had it, apparently. Well. And you didn't get one, so... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm glad you <laughs> I'm excited. Well, in your clinic, let's get do an update on that quick. And remind oh, yeah. everybody. Yeah, I'm doing a, um intro clinic uh, for the, basically, Monty Roberts uh, future instructors. If you want to become an instructor or you just want to, which is why I did it, you just want to be better at horsemanship, then I teach a clinic, the intro clinic. You can go out to California and do it, but we do it right here uh, in Oklahoma. It's two weeks long. Everybody is welcome to come. I have two. I only actually, Glenn, you know, what's amazing. I only have two slots left. So yeah. Yeah. Just, just I mean, we just so, announced it, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. But and 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 it, it, I posted it online as well. And uh, yeah, people want to come do it again. It's like it's like an adult summer camp. Basically, you get to come and we train horses. It's half the day is in the classroom. And then the other half is trained, not half the day, but a couple hours in the classroom. The rest of the day is just training horses and learning how to do join up and long lining and all the things that um, trailer loading and fly spraying. And ho- it's all the things that you may deal with that your horse may not understand or you want to be better at teaching younger horses or you want to work with wild horses or you want to restart off the track thoroughbreds. You can bring your horse. I do provide a ton of different horses um, that come for this particular clinic. And it's going to be, let's see, the first week, two weeks of October, which is October 2nd through the 13th. Only two months away then, huh? Yeah, it's cl- it's coming up, and I'm so excited about it. You get a giant book to take home that you study, and then you'll eventually, if you want to go on to become an instructor, which I highly suggest because I am 
currently booked through November with horses and training. And there's just not enough of us out there. So would love some help. Uh, if you want to do that, then you take the exams after that, but you get this book to study and it comes with it. And, and, uh, it's, it's a really, really amazing course. And it kind of, like I said, when I started this whole journey to become an instructor, I didn't want to become an instructor. I just wanted to be better. Uh, and so I learned that. And then I was like, well, I'll take test out because I want to do the advanced course and then I might as well do the day. You know, it was kind of one of those things and it's just really, really fun. And it's just, a there's like just five of us sitting around hanging out, training horses and talking to horses and talking of the way horses learn and the way that they think and how your body reacts and your body language. And it's just all encompassing horse stuff. So it's super fun. Very good. Wow. Excited that you only have two spots left. How do they, do they email you? What do they do? Yeah, just email me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. If you want to get some more information, uh, you can call me. We'll chit-chat and see if it's a good fit. I'm also going to do, I think, in November, because I've had a couple people that aren't quite ready to take the um, intro course. They need something kind of before that. And there's a Horsemanship 101 course that I'm going to teach in November. So I'll get the details out on that. But yeah, just email me uh, or you can go to my Facebook page, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. And you can learn about it there a little bit more. You can message me, whatever. Just, you know, we'll get in touch. Okay, Smarty Pants, how do you get a jockey to wait? Uh what? You tell him to hold his horses. <laughs> How did I not know that? <laughs> I can't believe you didn't get that one. <laughs> so you have this new I dog, think, by I the way. The problem is I could figure it out. It's just I get so mad when you start doing one of these that like, ugh. She does. She shuts down. It's so funny. All right. So clinic, are they also going to get time with the puppy? Is that scheduled in? Oh, you'll get plenty of time with the dogs and puppies because they're, they're wherever I am, they are. And you know what? If you want to sleep with a couple of them, I'll put them in your room. If you, you missed have- Monday's show, uh, Jamie is now the proud owner of a Basset Hound puppy named... His name, uh, you know what's so funny is I just can't figure out. His name is Murphy, but he came with that name and I didn't give him that name. And it's so hard for me to remember. I keep wanting to call him Shane. Like, that's (laughs) not at all like Murphy. And I'm like, Shane, Murphy. I don't know why I'm channeling that name. But anyway, his name is Murphy. And if we're staying with Murphy, that's his name. But it is. yeah. Lucas, why do you keep calling him Shane? I'm like, I don't know. I can't help it. But yeah, yeah I don't know he why was, that's uh, in your head. Have you watched a movie I lately? Or? I don't know. No. <laughs> he was surrendered to horse and hound. Um, they do horses and hounds, and he was surrendered there, uh, apparently. All basset hounds go to Jamie when they're surrendered. It's apparently a uh, rule. Yeah, I have a, I have a, he's my second one from Horse and Hound. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, but he's really cute, but he was surrendered to Horse and Hound. Apparently somebody who was living in a dorm decided it was a good idea to buy a Basset Hound puppy. And he is a very vocal one. So it didn't work out for them in the dorm, I don't think. Yeah, and you're finding out why. <laughs> oh my God, we have found it out. <laughs> so, figured so, it out, day one. Speaking of puppies, uh, see, this show is devoted to you today. I'm real. I, oh. I'm I'm a giver. And, uh, As it so, should be. Yeah. <laughs> so Horse Nation did an article. Actually, it's by our friend Kristen, from uh, who hosts Retired Racehorse Radio with Joy. She did this post uh, a little while back, and I thought I'd resurrect it because it's the Ten Commandments of Being a Barn Dog. So these are the commandments of being a barn dog, and we're going to see all the things you're going to go through with your new puppy. Okay? 
Okay. Thou shalt always eat horse manure, even if it means you get yelled at later when giving kisses. Has uh, Murphy found horse manure yet? Yeah, he did. But here's is more the other Bazadon puppy, Homer. So he, he will find the greenest, gross oh, God, thing he can no. and just walk right up and just give you a oh, big smooch. Oh, it's usually Ugh. the dry ones that they eat. <laughs> no, he wants the, the wet ones. Oh, and then hoof clippings, too. That's another favorite. Thou shall not resist the temptation to run the fence line when the horses are feeling fresh, though it may result in flying hooves in your general direction. Yeah, that's irresistible. No, no dog. I, that's any dog, I think. Well, we have, uh, when I work the horses in the round pen, I have a border collie and she has her own little seat with a, a lasso. <laughs> like, come on, Zinni, come on up here. Tie her up. Because she really needs to help. She has to help. <laughs> That's what they do. They got a job, right? They know what their job is. Thou shalt greet every car that comes into the driveway, for that is thy role as guardian of the barn. <laughs> And my dogs know when my farrier drives in and they just go running straight to the car and he knows to like stop because they're going to just be like all over his car. Yeah, they're like, here he comes. It's the guy with all the cookies. Remember the stock cookies. tank for that is the best place to cool off. We never yeah. had a dog that did that. Oh, think. my God. Danny lives in it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And oh, and then they roll because, in the dirt. <laughs> but And then they jump back in, and you've like, got to clean out the dang tub again. <laughs> and then they roll in the dirt. That's fun in the house. Uh, thou shalt eat hoof clippings on Farrier Day until you, Ralph, in the tack room. For the hoof clippings are to be turned down by no dog. Like, you they know what? They may, they may puke them up in the tack room, but then uh, that's the most delicious kind for the other dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I don't Don't that. kiss a farm dog on the mouth. I miss having Just a dog, don't. and then there's times I don't miss having a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Why do racehorses look so fit, Jamie? <sighs> what? Because they're on a stable diet. <laughs> That was terrible. Thou shalt eat... Oh, I did that one already. When you are tired, thou shalt lie down in a sunny spot in the arena, even if it shall lie in the middle of the outside line. Just lie in the way. They melt. They (laughs) just melt into the arena sand. Honor the foul-smelling spots in the pasture and roll in them. Roll deeply. Work that stink right into thy coat. The first... God, (laughs) this year it was so hot that we had catfish die. Like the catfish died in our pond. In the pond? In the pond. And what happened is they eventually washed to the shore. Something picks them up and the the vultures were all buzzards about eating them. And then you've got like rotten fish bone carcass. And that's where Homer Homer went. Let's (laughs) roll in that. (laughs) <laughs> never to my mom will never touch me again. When I first met Jennifer, we lived on a hundred acre farm and uh, in Pennsylvania and there's a lot of deer in Pennsylvania. Well, th- the dog we had Hulhan, was the greatest farm dog ever, but that dog, because when you live on a hundred acre farm, there's going to be dead critters around, right? In the tree lines, in the woods, there's dead critters all the time. And that dog every day found those dead critters and rolled in them every oh, yeah. single day. Oh, and there's nothing like three week old deer carcass to roll in for when you're a dog. They love oh. that. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Uh, that's the reason that dog never came in the house ever. And the dog Shocker. didn't want to come in the house. Winter, summer, didn't matter. That dog would not walk in the house. Even if we invited it, it would not come in the house. Thou shalt always ride in the gator golf cart utility vehicle, even if it means other humans shall walk. 
Lucas will hang on the edge because Homer has to have the seat. And you want to see something funny is try to watch a Bassadon dog jump into a ranger and then jump up on the seat. It With takes 10 minutes. Legs. It takes 10 minutes. He misses, 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 and he just falls all over the place. But at this point, it's like it's the Basset Hound vehicles because there's three of them now and all three of them are lazy as hell. And they're all like, I'm on, I'm in. I got two Basset Hounds under my feet. Homer's taking the chair. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I remember they were on it when, when we went out to visit you. There were dogs yeah. all over the cart. Yep. <laughs> we I just up. drive dogs. <laughs> thou shalt always get it as dirty as possible. That's a dog thing. And finally, thou shalt live the dog life to its fullest potential on the farm, ranch, barn, or stable. I think dogs are so happy when they're on the barn, though. They really are. I, I All the time, I think to myself, oh, my God, thank God I have a farm to house this dog. <laughs> I can't. I The Border Collie, and then I have a Danny. Who's oh, your Border Collie would not survive in a suburban setting. That oh, dog my would God. Not, no. My cousin has Danny's brother. And she's like, this is the most destructive dog ever. And I'm like, yeah, you should just live on a farm because, like, I have the sister and I can't imagine living with her. Like, 20 acres isn't enough. You know? <laughs> right, right. Right. That's a Border Collie thing, though, too, I think. Yeah. Uh, what kind of bread does a racehorse eat? If you don't get this one, you're fired. Okay, come on. I can do this one. What kind of bread does a racehorse eat? Rye bread, wheat bread, white bread. <sighs> sourdough bread <laughs> no no you're thinking like a you're thinking like a mom you got to think like a dad a dad joke these are dad jokes oh the dough in my wallet well that's what that's a good one actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's dad. that one's not bad the answer was thoroughbred but i almost like your uh answer better <laughs> <laughs> the dough in my wallet i think that's even better <laughs> <laughs> you said think like a dad <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect all right let's talk about kemen and then we're going to talk a little bit about a post that was in the auditor room and uh we're going to hear your opinion on it since 2021, Equus Summit has attracted hundreds of attendees looking to unlock gut health and stress solutions for their horse. The third annual Equus Summit virtual learning event is right around the corner, taking place September 5th and 6th. Join us as experts from the industry and academia tackle important equine health issues such as leaky gut syndrome, insulin dysregulation, stress management, and exercise physiology and other horse and nutrition topics. Whether you're a roper, a venter, farrier, veterinarian, hobbyist, or beyond, you'll find Equisummit has something for you. Don't let this opportunity ride away. Register today for free at attendequisummit.com and join us live on September 5th and 6th. That's attendequisummit.com. Well, there was a post that you wanted to chat about that went up in the auditor room, I think over the weekend. Yeah, it was, it was a, a post. Poll. It was a yeah, poll. it was a poll. Yeah. So Lindsay posted, I got into an interesting conversation at the barn yesterday. When you were taught how to back a horse up, were you taught to lean forward or backwards? The suggestions that were added, lean forward, lean back, neither raise up, sit upright, sit deep with learn and without leaning and bump the reins. Um, 
sit deeper, sit forward slightly, forward with leg eggs into the bridle and half halt with your core. Lean back. These are all different things. Sit upright and cue with diagonal leg aids to get them to move straight. Squeeze gently onto the hands after sitting upright. De- sit into your pockets, legs forward. I mean, there's a billion there were every ways. Every answer in the rainbow was in there. <laughs> and these I, are the I, way I, people were taught, right? Originally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So... I'll tell you how I was taught, but I, I was like, you know what? Like, that's a great question because there's so many different answers here. Let's go to Google and let's see what Google says. <laughs> I bet you got some different answers. <laughs> let's start. I, I just took a clip from the 9,000 articles <laughs> on how to back your horse up. A lot of them were how to train your horse to back up, but these were like actually telling you what to do with your body. Okay. Here's one. Slide your legs forward to the cinch and bounce your calves against their sides. This waving motion will help elevate and unlock her shoulders. The proper way to ask your horse to back up is to sit up. The size said it all. <laughs> so, so in the world of riding, Glenn, the most amazing dressage riders and rainers and all this, they don't. The best riders, you're like, how are they doing that? Because you're not seeing them do anything. Right. Those are the best rainers, the best dressage riders. You don't see anything. If somebody's going to slide their legs forward on the shoulders and start banging them on the sides, I'm going to see that. <clears throat> Sorry. Next article. The proper way to ask your horse to back up is to sit up, lift your hands up, and apply pressure to the reins while adding leg. Okay. Another way, pull backwards and down towards the chest to give him the cue that you want him to back up. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to see all of those. Okay. This is from a popular Australian trainer on how to back your horse up. Use your inside rein to tip the horse's head so that it's bent to a 45 degree angle towards the saddle tree. And it will help arc his body in a, around the tree in a circle. But if the head is too straight, he's going to back up in a straight line. And if his head is bent too much, he'll have too much turn or he'll get stuck and he won't back up at all. But at the same time, place your inside leg near the girth to keep your outside leg back near the flank and press there. Your inside leg pushes the horse's shoulders around your outside leg, pushing it into the circle of the hindquarters. And your hands basically ask the horse to back up and your legs give him a reason to move his feet. What the hell did I just read? Sounds <laughs> like a bad ad. <laughs> Hello, mate. Use your inside rein to tip his head. In. What? You know what? After reading all of that, I just go. I don't want to ride. <laughs> you know, I quit. I quit. It's so easy driving. All I say is back, what and I tap him on the butt about? a little bit with the whip, and he backs right up. It's there's so another easy. one. Gently squeeze back with your hands, holding the reins at the same time as your cue with the legs, preventing forward motion. Another one with both hands on the reins, pull back towards your belly button. Okay, I'm going to see all those. So here's what I was taught. I, I, I grew up riding in a dressage barn. So your seat bones are like, 
lifting your seat bones forward, like tucking your pelvis, like sitting on your butt bone, lifts your seat bones. And that's how you ask for extension in a, in a trot and how you halt is you sit upright. So you think of your seat bones as handbrakes, right? They're like little hand, they stick down in the saddle and to stop a horse, you sit vertically and you put those seat bones down in the saddle, like you drop into the saddle and your seat bones stop the horse's hind legs. So to get them to back up, you kind of sit more. I was taught to tuck your pelvis like in, like rock your belly button back a little bit and bring your seat bones forward to allow the horse to back up. If you lean forward and press your seat bones back, you're stopping those hind legs from moving. So that's why. So I went on, I was like, is that true? Is that right? Did I do that right? And so I went on to a bunch of like YouTube videos from he proper... really went down the rabbit hole. On oh, this dude, one. <laughs> I was like, this is going to break my brain. So I went and I watched like 50 YouTube videos on working on the halt and the rain back and proper actual dressage. And every one of them, as they go to ask the horse to back up, I'm sorry, I'm doing it backwards. So as you ask the horse to back up, you tip your pelvis. Sorry, I did that all wrong. You take your seat to get extension. You tuck your seat under you to get the horse to come back up. You kind of tip your pelvis forward a little bit and like take your seat bones backwards. And so I was like, okay, was that right? And so I went on and I watched a bunch of videos and every time a person was asking for the rain back, their pelvis came forward a little bit. Like they rolled onto their crotch a little bit more. So that is how I was told to back up. Sorry. I said it wrong at first. I've been studying this for like four days trying to figure <laughs> out the proper answer. So you just kind of like rock onto your crotch and then you're lifting those handbrakes up and get them out of the way. Hind in. Okay. Sorry. I said that right. Believe it or not. My brain has been broken by this one particular <laughs> question. How do you ask horses to back up? Because of the 9 billion answers that are online that all contradict each other. So, you know what? My hypothesis is if it works, you're doing it right. Is that a good answer? How do you teach your horses, your thoroughbreds? Because the one thing they don't know is how to back up. So. Yeah, no, I do all that while longlining, actually, really? first. Yeah. yeah, I want them to, it's basically give to pressure. And so when you teach them on the ground to give to pressure, when you pick up the reins and ask them to back up, it's just a simple give to pressure. And then when you're on them, they understand the give to pressure. And I just, I roll my pelvis forward, sit on my crotch, get out of the way, and then add pressure to the reins. Then eventually it gets to where you just stop and you sit on your crotch a little bit and just close your hands and they back up that you can get them really, really light with it. Uh, so, I mean, I don't understand raining. I don't understand all of the Western stuff. I don't know how it works with like one of those like shank bits. I don't know any of that. I just know in dressage, you're sitting still, you kind of rock your pelvis forward. You rock under your crotch. You're lifting your little hand brakes up off the hind end. You close your hand and the horse backs up. But I'm sure that there's a million people listening to this that are much better riders than me, but for chaining a horse, I use the long lines. If for some reason, sometimes they get really stuck, you can have somebody in front of them and just have somebody push them back with the halter, put their hand on their chest and teach them that, you know, if it's not working, break it down even to be more simple. Okay. Like I then did with scooter, scooter back, tap, tap, tap. Yeah. Whatever works, <laughs> you know, if it's working, you're doing it right. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> took me a long time with my first pony because I didn't know how to drive. Jennifer Windows knew how to drive. Uh, took a long time to learn how how what the trick was with my first pony to backing up, and that pony would not back up, and that pony had a tendency to throw its head when we when I was doing it wrong. So if I was trying to ask for something wrong, that the pony would throw its head, and it was like. You're just stupid. You know, the pony yeah. was just telling me, you don't know how to do this. I know you don't know what you're doing. And until you figure it out, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. If you're, if it's not working, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. If it is working, you're doing it right. right. Exactly. And that pony taught me how to drive because I knew when the head got thrown, I was doing it wrong. It wasn't the pony's fault. It was my fault. And so, we f- finally figured out the, tr- the trick. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was working in Ohio, I rode with a bunch of fox hunters and we did conditioning and, and jumping the horses to in fields to get them back when I was young and free. Um, and we would go gallop around and jump cross country jumps. And one of the guys with his horse, he would come up to like prelim sized logs and about three strides out, he would almost get in a fetal position. These are all Irish guys. This guy would just almost get in a fetal position. And then the horse would like fling itself over the jump and gallop off. And then the wit, the, the master, I turned him and I was like, why does he, how does that work? Like that shouldn't work. Like he's basically just hugging the horse around the neck almost at the beginning of every jump. But this Irish way, he goes, you know why it works? Cause he does the same way every time. <laughs> and you know like, what? Okay. With the jumps, the size they're doing over fox hunting in Ireland, maybe that was the only way he could survive. Uh, the only way he could survive. But you know what? By, he wasn't a super talented guy, but by God, he did it the same way every time. He didn't he die. Worked. Yeah. So you know what? If it works, you're doing it right. <laughs> well, as we said earlier in the show, one of the most requested segments we've had on literally for the last number of years. And I've had a tough time finding an insurance agent to come on uh, that I felt was really good at explaining things. And as you, a lot of you know, I was in insurance for a long time also in investments uh, over the years. I never did horse insurance, so this was fascinating for me. But we're going to do a five-part series, and there's going to be one a month. And I got together with Susan at Fry's Insurance, uh, Fry's Equine Insurance, and I wanted the first one. I said, the first one has to be on mortality and health insurance, because that's the one everybody asks about, right? Should I get it? Shouldn't I get it? What age? You know, if my horse has this, can I get it? We're going to answer and all those questions for you yeah. today. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I hope you, I hope you get something out of these segments and it answers some of your questions on a very confusing topic. Welcome to Horse Insurance 101 by Fry's Equine Insurance at friesequineinsurance.com. Well, one of the most requested segments we've gotten over the years from listeners is about insurance. And, you know, whether it's insurance for your horse or for your farm. And we have Susan Strasser here today from Fry Insurance. And she has agreed to help us with a five-part series on insurance, helping us all understand what we are buying and what we need. Today, we are starting with horse medical and mortality insurance. And next month, we'll talk about liability insurance. So, Susan, tell me a little bit about Fry Insurance. Well, hi, Glenn. I'm happy to do that. Uh, Fry's Equine Insurance was started back in 1984 uh, by Jim Fry, and I came to work for him in the early 90s, was just part-time assistant, and uh, soon realized that this was something that I really enjoyed doing. And so I bought the agency in 2011 and have been running it ever since. Well, that's really cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So how many states do you guys service? Because I know when we've talked about having agencies on before, they only maybe covered one state, and it, it didn't apply to a lot of our listeners. 
Right. In um, in insurance, you have to be licensed in every state that you're going to do business in. And so Fry's is licensed in 17 states, and we're mostly up the East Coast and in the Midwest. And the information we're giving today, no matter what state you live in, uh, is going to mostly be correct. Every state's a little bit different, but we're going over the basics. We're taking a look at the big view. So most of this is going to be correct wherever you are, but you want to check with your local agent. Exactly. If, if you're not in Fry's territory. So <laughs> What companies do you represent? Uh, for mortality and medical, we mostly represent with Great American Insurance and the Hartford. We have other companies that we can write with if your horse doesn't fit into one of their programs. What types of insurance do you do for horses and farms and horse people? Okay, we start with the, the horse itself. We can write mortality and medical insurance. Uh, if you own a farm, we can write a farm owner's policy, which works just like a homeowner's, but we can also add the equine liability in there for you, whether you're boarding or training or doing lessons. Uh, for the independent, we can write a standalone liability policy so that you can take that coverage with you um, to, to wherever you're doing your lessons. And if you're a club or you're putting on a show, we can also write standalone policies for you as well. So today we're talking about medical mortality insurance for horses. Do they always go together or can they be bought separately? Uh, no. Mortality is the actual policy. And then the medical options are an add-on to that policy. Gotcha. So you can buy mortality separately? Yes. You get just life insurance basically for your horse? That's exactly right. Okay. So why should someone insure their horse? And, you know, what kind of people should insure their horse? Well, when you buy a horse, you put an investment, you, you pay for the horse, you're putting a lot into it. And so you want to protect your investment, simply like life insurance for people. Um, so you want to recover that if something would happen to your horse. Now, the medical insurance, again, like people insurance, gives you protection if, if something would happen, a colic, lameness, something like that. So it's anybody who feels that they need to protect the investment in their horse. Oh, and, you know, vets are so cheap. I don't know why anybody would work about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At what, so what age can you start? You know, can you start with babies? Yes, we can insure horses once they're 24 hours old. Really? And then we can insure them through the age of 20. Now, some coverages, some medical options aren't available um, all the way through the age of 20, but we'll work with you on that to let you know as your horse gets older. So I didn't realize that it was that young. I always thought it was uh, several months old, but... Huh. Yeah, no, you can do them uh, once they're 24 hours. Now, the premium's higher, and so you're going to pay more because there's obviously more of a risk that something could happen in that first 30 days. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't do that, but there are some valuable horses that once those babies are born, they need to protect them. It is So the oldest age then is 20, right? Yes. Okay. Is there At a least for full mortality coverage. Now, you can insure your horse after the age of 20 with what we call limited mortality, which is a very select few things that the horses could die from. So it's not anything like the full mortality policy. Is there a minimum value? So my horse, I bought my horse for $1,000, right? And, you know, is there mm -hmm. a minimum value for a policy? No, there's not a minimum. Um, some companies won't offer uh, medical insurance on lower value horses, but with the Hartford, we can write... Um, medical on any value of horse. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So what happens, we talked about colic, right? And heading yes. to the vet. What happens if my horse has been treated for colic? Can it still get the, you know, the, the full policy? As with anything, there are always exceptions. So it depends on whether the horse um, has a history of colic, whether it had a colic surgery, whether there was a resectioning done. So if a horse has had a colic once and done, and and it's been healthy, um, you know, for over a year, then we can typically go ahead and get colic put on that horse. But if there's a history or if there is a resectioning done, then you're probably not going to be able to get coverage for colic. So it's kind of like people, if you've had massive heart attacks uh, in the past, that they're going to look at that and go, I'm not going to insure you for a million dollars right now. That's right. Yeah. That's okay. right. But the longer you go, the more chance is that you can get insurance. Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So with the, as you said, with the colic surgery, uh, then what? So my, my horse did colic. I had colic surgery. Yep. With colic surgery, typically the company wants to see that the horse has been colic free for at least a year since the date of the surgery. So if that's the case, then we can go ahead and get um, the mortality and the medical coverage or a colic endorsement put on it. Um, as, and again, as long as there hasn't been a history of colic prior to that. Um, now, in saying that, you can still insure your horse who's had colic, but they may just exclude colic from your policy. So you can still get the mortality and the major medical coverage. Major medical is going to cover, you know, other things, lameness or um, laceration, things like that, but it may just exclude uh, colic coverage. That's interesting because that's the same way they'll do it in people too. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, um, so let's talk about while you're transporting a horse. I always wondered about this. So if I'm moving my horse, I'm heading to a horse show or just go trail riding and something happens in the trailer. Okay. So transporting your horse would be covered under your mortality policy as long as you're transporting within the U.S. and Canada, because that's the scope of what our policies cover. Okay. Now, there are people who are buying their horses overseas. So we see a lot of them in Europe uh, wanting to ship their horses home. We can also add a transportation coverage if they're flying home um, to a policy and so that you'll have the coverage from the time the horse is loaded onto the plane until it gets here. And then you can opt to either continue that coverage, you know, for the balance of the year or just have it, you know, for the flight home. If I'm concerned about being able to pay my vet bills, I'm a horse husband. I'm always thinking about those things. All of us <laughs> horse husbands are. Um, That's right. And if my horse becomes ill or has an injury, what types of coverage are available for that? Okay. So again, we start with mortality and then we're going to add on uh, different medical options. So we can start with uh, a colic only endorsement, which is going to cover required treatments and surgeries related to just a colic, or you can choose a surgical endorsement, which is only going to pay for required surgeries. So it could include colic or any other type of surgery. Or you can go with a major medical option. Major medical is going to cover required treatments and surgeries up to the limit you select. So most companies are offering different limit levels uh, for you to choose from, depending on, on your budget and where you feel comfortable. That would be it for the medical coverages. So how about loss of use? Is there any loss of use coverage, meaning I can't use my horse? You know, I guess this would more apply to the serious competitors out there. Yes. Loss of use is being restricted to certain uses by most companies now. So if your horse is a, a venter, reining, um, 
a jumper, dressage, you can uh, then look at adding loss of use to your policy. So the way loss of use works is if your horse is injured or has an illness that makes him permanently unable to perform the use that you purchased him for, um, then you then you could go into loss of use. So it is a add-on to the mortality policy. And all companies are a little bit different in how they pay. It is not 100% payout. Uh, so it's usually about 60 to 70% of the insured value. And once the company pays for that loss of use claim, then the rest of the coverage is canceled and you cannot get any insurance on the horse again. Okay. Are there uses or disciplines which do not qualify for coverage? Uh, no. Um, any horse can can be insured for mortality. But when it comes to medical coverage, uh, race horses, horses that are in, in intended to be raced, they do not qualify for um, any type of medical coverage. Well, now the big question is, what's it cost? Yes, that is the big question for everybody. And so that, of course depends on many factors. So when you call us or send us an email to get a quote for your horse, what we're looking for is the breed, the use, the age, and the value of the horse, because all those will factor into what the rate is. As a horse gets a little bit older, when it turns 15, uh, for insurance purposes, it's considered overage. And so the rate then goes up. So it is always best to give us a call and we can. Um, be happy to give you that quote over the phone. How is it determined how much my horse is worth? You know, I'm going to do life insurance. How does that determine? Okay, so we typically start with purchase price. But if you've owned your horse for a while or you've raised your horse, um, then we'll look at things like uh, training records, show records, um, anything to show us why the horse is at the value that you have set for it. Um, you can do, we've seen statements from trainers, uh, but typically we're looking at that show record to see how well he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. All right, very good. Well, to get a quote, what do they do? They can give us a call at 614-875-3711 and talk with either myself or Ron Johnson, or you can go out to our website. There's a form out there that you can fill out or just shoot us an email at info at fries, F-R-Y-S, equineinsurance.com, and we'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. So if you'll listen in next month, we're going to discuss liability policies, liability for the horse owner for the independent, and for the farm owner. Well, before we get to our horse nutrition segment with Dr. Wendy, which I did this specifically for Jamie, uh, I wanted to talk, chat to you about State Line Tech. You know what's coming up? When does your kids start school? Oh my gosh, August 16th. It's coming up. <laughs> yeah. And I know a lot of schools are starting already. And they're Arizona having... started today. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Well, their Ovation is having a, or they're highlighting Ovation on State Line Tech and a back to school sale. So if your kids are going back to school, but they're also maybe getting into riding or maybe it's starting a new show season where you are, depending on the weather, then you want to check out all the Ovation products. And they have really good products for kids. Uh, and I, I remember when Ovation first started, actually. Uh, but they have riding helmets, saddles, boots, and a bunch of it is highlighted right now on State Line Tech. Big banner at the top of the homepage. 
their hel- helmets are terrific. I know a lot of kids wear their helmets, gloves, uh, boots, especially paddock boots of all different styles, uh, breeches, all of that. So I know it's sometimes hard to find things for kids, but you can find it at statelinetech.com. Just click on the ovation banner at the top of the page. The next horse health report is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. With Jamie getting another puppy to add to her puppy hoarding collection. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered a segment that we did a long time ago with Dr. Wendy. Actually, I'll give Jennifer credit. Jennifer remembered the segment. And uh, we dug it out. And these are things you can do when your dogs and horses are young that will help them when they're older in life. And Wendy, what are we talking about today in the traditional Chinese medicine segment? Okay, so today we're talking about some little things you can do now with your young horse or your young dog that when they're old, they will thank you for, right? Well, you know, like when you get old, you think back and say, oh, I just wish I did this or I wish I jogged or I wish I, you know. So your horses and your dogs think that too, right? Or you look at your dog and you say, oh my God, my dog has been like so an obese couch potato his whole life. And I wish I didn't, you know, didn't keep him like that. But we're pretty good as horse people keeping our horses fit. And we worry about them. We take care of their feet and their joints, but come on, let's all admit farm dogs. We are so bad about cutting dogs toenails. Right, Glenn, were you a good toenail cutter? No, Jennifer's the toenail cutter, <laughs> but she's oh, but good about Jennifer's it. Yeah, Jennifer's yeah. a metal, so I'm sure Jennifer's on a schedule. But for all of us that are non-metals, come on, how many times? Like if you look down at your horse or we all have that friend that has a donkey and their feet are horrible and we're judging them. We're horse <laughs> people. We can't help it. Okay, but you know what? Dog people are probably looking at our dogs thinking the exact same thing. Like those agility dog people are like, oh, my God, can you believe those dogs toenails? And look how fat those dogs are. (laughs) I know, exactly. So we should think about it like that. But really, you know, for our dogs, arthritis is the number one issue of our geriatric dogs, right? And when they have long toenails... It puts a lot of stress on their tendons and their feet and their limbs, just like with our horses. So uh, keeping your dog's toenails trimmed on a regular schedule is really important for their long-term health and and wellness. And if you're not going to do your dog's toenails, like, look, I have Jack Russells, okay? They bite me every time I do their toenails. <laughs> and you're and a veterinarian. <laughs> yeah, and they don't feel bad about about it. I mean, I even bred the dog I have now. She bites me every single time. So what I do now is it took me long enough, but I just take her down to the groomers. I love the groomers cut her toenails. <laughs> yeah. Cause they have that harness like, thingy. <laughs> and in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty cheap, right? Cause think of how many toenails your dog has and the groomers charge you like what? 20 bucks. Yeah. Right. Your farrier charged you 40 for four toenails. So the length of, t- if they're with long toenails all the time, you're saying it can affect the joints. It hurts their joints. Yeah. It'd be like walking in like ill-fitting shoes your entire life. Hmm. Interesting. I never thought about it yeah. that way. Same thing with horses, obviously, but we're all aware of our horse's long feet. We make sure exactly. that doesn't happen. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. never skip. My horses are retired and sit around and just eat. And my farrier comes every five weeks. Yeah, I we, would never skip that. We forget our dogs. <laughs> yeah. And um, another thing with, with horses, what we, you know, when we're riding them or driving them, we, we like if they're gait, is like if there's any change to the gate or they're 
not symmetrical. We like freak out, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, oh my God, I got to work this up. And horses, like if they have one little, like they're like the princess and the pea, right? If they're hurting, you know, dogs hide that dogs hide their pain from us. Uh, so when you see your dog limping, I mean, they have a serious issue. So, but sometimes we see our dogs limping and we're like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's got a little hitch in his giddy up because we don't ride them. Right. And they are like, unless we're showing them or doing sport with them, they just like have to be sound enough to go sleep on the couch. But that an asymmetric gait is the first sign that your dog's having some issues and you can fix those issues um, earlier. Like the earlier you treat arthritis, the easier it is to, to resolve. So a lot of dogs, when they are starting to have the beginnings of arthritis or feeling some aches and pains, will actually, instead of trotting, they'll pace. Right. So if you had a horse that started pacing, oh, my God, first of all, you get thrown out of the dressage ring and you'd be really freaked out about it. But I see this all the time. I see a lot of dogs pacing when the people are walking. Sometimes it can be as easy as like they're not walking at a certain speed, you know, and that can throw off their gait. But that's a time when you should look into uh, into to see if they have some arthritis. And if they do have some arthritis, then like. Our joint supplements, we call them chondroprotectives. They protect the joint surface. So it's good to start them, horses and dogs, on chondroprotectives when they're young and they still have healthy cartilage. Because the joint supplements, like oral joint supplements and, and, or injectable, like Adequan, those will save your joints. It extends the length, the length, life length of the joints, right? It protects the cartilage. But once they're already, their cartilage is already damaged, joint supplements may relieve a little bit of pain, but they can't really re- regrow the cartilage. And so those are some really easy tips that you can do for your doggy and horse at home. And um, I'll cover some more tips in the next section. Non-GMO whole food nutrition is the basis of the entire Daily Dose Equine program. We never forget that natural is better and simplicity is key. Daily Dose Equine uses non-GMO whole food ingredients like alfalfa, timothy, peas, sunflower seeds, and flax. Daily Dose Equine doesn't use fillers, bulking agents, or leftovers from other industries. So you can feed less yet improve body condition and energy. And our feeds are free from chemical residues and glyphosate. Find the perfect formulation for your horse at DailyDoseEquine.com. Select Daily Dose Equine formulations are available nationwide through Chewy.com and TractorSupply.com. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited, Glenn. I get to do something really cool that I've wanted to do for a very long time. Um I have a I have a horse trailer and it is an aluminum horse trailer and has an aluminum floor. That's the gooseneck, right? The the big it, gooseneck. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a four horse, but I because I pick up so many rescue horses, I took two partitions out and I made it in, like into two box stalls. But here's the problem with aluminum floors. I'm always scared that they're gonna go through it or it's gonna like, you know, urine is gonna soak through it. I just I don't understand aluminum. Like I I like I can lift up a mat and look at wood. I can't understand how aluminum floors uh work. And so what what I've been reading about it is like every time a horse urinates on it, just take the mats out and spray it out. Yeah, that was something oh that we God. used to do too. What a pain. <laughs> Even with wood, you should do that, right? But. I can't oh, I can't do that. No way. <laughs> And so I was like, nobody I does find 
an option that does, and this is not a paid sponsor. I found this out because one of our auditors, that trailer that I just sold had the worm flooring in it. And I heard about this from Nellie Kennedy, one of our auditors. It's called worm flooring, W-E-R-M flooring. And it's worm stands for we eliminate rubber mats. And I was like, I would like to eliminate rubber mats. Company, I'm looking it up. This company's out of Oklahoma City. Yes. How cool is that? So they have like I have different places. So what what it is, they they we've now cleaned up, we took all the mats out and pressure washed the trailer and it's like a clean clean as it can be floor. And they spackle like rubber onto your trailer floor. It's completely seals the floor. It's padded, it's slip resistant, and it's impervious to liquids. And so you don't need rubber mats. It doesn't, this is all from the ad here, but it doesn't crack or chip like spray on liners because they like spackle it in and it takes a long time. But but I just, I can't take it anymore. Like the stress of shipping a horse and not knowing how the floor is. And so like I lifted the mats. I mean, I've, I've, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Taking the mats out and spraying this thing down. I've taken it in and like, they took the mats out. Well, and like, first of the, all, they're heavy. They never go back in the same way twice. <laughs> exactly. They never do. And, so, but like I've taken the floor and I had it inspected and like they shine lights through it to see if there's any like pinholes in the thing. And I've been fine, but I just can't sleep. Uh, <laughs> taking a horse's places. So, um, they have like all these different colors you I know, can it get. looks like a dozen colors okay what color would you pick because it's like two dollars oh, a square a foot more color. for color oh really yes um there's a lot of pretty colors i like the green um i like the dark blue they have like four shades of blue uh yeah. orange black i guess black is kind of the standard Black, yeah, it comes black, but that just seems like it'll be hot. I don't want them to be hot. Uh, <laughs> Did you so, pick bright yellow? <laughs> well, I, I also don't want to spook them. Like the loading is already hard enough. And from what I understand, this is neon horses, yellow. <laughs> yeah, horses can see blues and yellows the best. So then I was like, what if I get dark green? And it's like it'd be like grass. Maybe they'll think it's grass. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm trying to decide what color, but black comes with it. So I think uh, dark green, you're right. I like that theory. Dark green. I like that theory. It's like a pasture in yeah. my trailer. Yeah. They they understand green. Yeah. Hmm. Well then I think I should upgrade. Um but I anyway, didn't know you can get also get this done in your barn aisles or your shop or you know, vet clinic yeah. flooring apparently. You can after you win the lottery. I can oh. just afford my time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not cheap, huh? Uh, no, I never heard I of this. Like $15 a square foot. So I'm not even doing the tag. I'm just doing right where the horses oh, are. So if you have your barn aisle done, you're, you're out like 10 grand. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I didn't do the math, but it just seems really cool. And the trailer that I just sold had that in it. And I was like, do they spray it on? It, they spackle it in. So they, so it's like huh. on their hands and knees getting this stuff on yeah but it's not the spray and bed and liner it's bumpy, and it's like, so it's not slippery right it's not yeah apparently it's slip resistant and you just when you get back you just spray out your trailer which the little one that i had i sprayed out several times and yeah just 
goes right out. Anyway, something that I just found. Kind of reminds and I'm me of the about. stuff you have put on your pickup truck bed. Bed, you know the spray on stuff. Yes, yeah, kind of but not spray on. <laughs> right. I can't say it. Enough. Well, I can't it's wait. I, I have on. never heard of this, and you're right. This is not a paid commercial because I've never heard of them. So <laughs> maybe we should see if they want to be sponsors. Can I get a discount? <laughs> Let's wait to cool. see if it works first. <laughs> <laughs> God, if it doesn't, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> but no, this other trailer had had it, and that's why I was like, "This is awesome." Whatever this is, it's like kind of squishier so it helps like they say here it seals the surface provides additional padding it's slip resistant impervious to liquids doesn't crack chip protects the surface easy to clean reduces road noises in the trailer and affordable at $15 a square foot so do it that way you will all right there you go when do vampires like watching a horse race oh god at night when it's neck to neck Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. I thought at least you'd get one of these today. (laughs) I got one. I got I came up with a better answer. (laughs) I'll give you credit for that one. (laughs) Neck and neck. How did I not get that one? I don't know. I just get so mad when you do it. I just lose my mind. Do we have weird news? Yes, we do. And I would like to thank Brooke, Heather, Erica, Juliana, Laureen, Rosemary, and Rebecca all for sending it in. You guys, this segment, I need your help. Uh, If you're ever just reading the news, wherever you get it, you see a link and you're like, that is super weird. Think of me. Email it to Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at horseradionetwork.com. Send it to me included in on the show so thank you very much for all of you for sending these first one guess where we're going to start glenn oklahoma nope florida <laughs> this is crazy and this to me is just like i i don't know i don't know what to think of it i, I want to get your reaction okay So in Ormond Beach, Florida, there's an airport uh, in that area, probably a small airport with private type planes. And they say that they're used to the noise, but guess what they're not used to? Debris from the airplanes falling from the sky into their yard. (laughs) So this guy, Bob Blankenship, walked outside and he's like, oh, what is that? And it was metal and fiberglass that was kind of cracked in it in pieces uh, all over his property. And turns out it was a windshield from an airplane. Okay, first of all, and why I, are windshields falling out of airplanes? <laughs> I'm going to give you one guess what type <laughs> of airplane it is, Glenn. Um, Piper Cub or American Airlines. It's one somebody built, Ah. okay, which is why I don't want my husband to build an airplane. Did you show him this story? Not yet, but I will go, because I was like, if it was like an airliner, it would be, first of all, ginormous, and then the airliner would probably go down because the pressure in the cabin, all that, they would get sucked out, you know? So this is, nobody got sucked out um, of this, so... So he anyway, didn't find the pilot in his yard, just the there's windshield. There's no pilot. He just found <laughs> the windshield. And so he called the airport, and the airport didn't know anything, so apparently it hadn't been reported. Um, but he left his contact information with the airport. And then he gets this phone call. And he, hey, this is Douglas, and I'm over at DeLand, and I lost a piece of my airplane yesterday. <laughs> and someone said that you found it in your yard, and I'm wondering if I connect can connect with you and come and get it. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. He said no. (laughs) He kept it? (laughs) He has reported it to the FAA and kept the parts as evidence. This just seems like an angry Florida guy. (laughs) Yeah, it does. 
Like, he's like, I'm concerned that nobody is concerned about the people on the ground. Airplane pieces are falling from the sky. Like, apparently it was like a home-built aircraft and something fell. Yeah. And and I have a picture of him. And it looks exactly like what you would think he does. White beard, grumpy, Florida, bedraggled. Like, he's like, no, you can't have your windshield back. And the guy's like, I just didn't want to like to have my windshield back Uh, anyway. But he ended up having his ring doorbell camera because they were like, what is this? And they actually saw it come down into the tree from his ring doorbell. (laughs) You know, I have a solution for Chad and the whole build your own airplane thing. Don't do it. Well, that's one thing. But to keep him occupied for a year or two, tell him he has to build a large RC model, one of the you know, one of the remote controlled. And it, when he successfully does that and flies it, then you'll think about it. That's a good idea. But that's two years worth of building. But tell him it can't be one of the little tiny ones. You want him to build like three foot by three if foot If you can one. do that, then you can yes, get in one. That's right. Or, or no, you don't say that because you're still not going to let him. But um, just tell him <laughs> that you'll at least think about it if he successfully does that and flies it. Oh, my God. My husband would be like, oh, they're building Legos. So he <laughs> get it done in a minute. Yeah, that's true. You'll never see him again. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to Ohio, Huron, Ohio. Okay, and I'm just trying to think of this from the bank robber's perspective. Oh, no. Okay, so officers responded to an alarm at the Vacation Land Federal Credit Union early on Thursday morning. It's about 50 miles west of Cleveland. So this bank robber, let's do his his perspective. He's in there. And he's like snuck into the bank and he's going through and he's stolen whatever he's going to steal. And he's got it in his backpack and he's like, all right, it's time to leave. But I can't just walk out the front door. Here's what I'm going to do. I've seen Ocean's Eleven a bunch. I'm going to climb up through the air vents and I'm going to climb through the air ducts until I get above the um, ATM machines and drive through ATM. And there's like an exit like a door up there and so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna just open the door slide down and drop down onto the ground and run and i'm home free so he chose to do all of that instead of going out the door yeah because it was locked i mean oh. i don't know how he got in but he set off an alarm getting in it doesn't know about get in he talked about how he got out because what he did was he was like up there and and, and it's all on video because there's cameras everywhere you dumbass it's a bank so he the top drops down like the vent drops down and you see one leg come out and you see another leg come out and you see him start to hang and he's hanging from this vent about to drop onto the ground but what he didn't realize was there's a um one of those roll away trash cans right underneath him or maybe he put it there. I don't know. But it was a terrible idea because he dropped down and the top gave way and he fell into the trash can straight down into it. Here's the problem is the police were already there and they saw the thing open and he drops down and they're like, put on your hands. And then boom, he falls into the trash can and he's captured. <laughs> The police live for days like that. Oh, my God. How fun would that be if you're a police officer? We got him. He's in the trash can. You're telling so, that story to your grandkids for the rest of your life. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then this guy, he couldn't run. He was stuck in that trash can. Oh, that's a great one. 
That's so Florida. It wasn't even a Florida story. <laughs> it wasn't. It was Ohio, though. Ohio has all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, I think that Ohio is the home of dumb criminals. So okay, we'll give it. them that. We, just, uh, we have stupid criminals. They have dumb criminals. There's a difference. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, do you know what a Swifty is, Glenn? Swifty. A Taylor Swift fan? Yes. Hey, I got that. Look at I'm me. I'm proud of you. Um, so apparently in Seattle, she was having uh, two nights at uh, Lumen Field. And in the during the song, Shake It Off, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. You know, there's a, a dance move that people do. And you like shake your hands and kind of jump up and down. Shake, shake, shake uh, to shake it off. And apparently it set off a 2.3. It was seismologist captured. It was a 2.3 magnitude earthquake because of people singing shake it off at the Taylor <laughs> Swift concert. They have all of the like, like seismologists work all around there. I mean, it's California and they, it, rec- it registered as an earthquake the two nights during that song that she had the concert. Anyway, love her. Love you, Taylor. Do you love know, I, I just read an article so funny from CNBC yesterday about this. Uh, her concert tour now is expected to exceed $1 billion in total gross revenue. Oh, I would imagine. I, I Yeah, that seems easy because it is like taking over the world. Um, by the way, it is now dubbed the Swift Quake. <laughs> I saved the best for last. I'm trying. I got to scroll past the picture. Oh, there's another picture. Okay. So this man buys this house. Where is this? Um, Okay. So he buys this house and he was fitting it with new windows. And he, he's, oh, this is in Australia. <laughs> I would like the um, I would like to point out that the individual that sent me this is from Australia and said that in quote, I just want to add this is not considered normal in Australia. (laughs) Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) Thank you, Rebecca. Okay, so um, in Australia, this man buys his house and he decides he wants to install new windows. So he cuts into the wall and what comes out of the wall. Do you want to guess? Oh, it's Australia. It could be a very, very, very large snake. That'd be too easy, Glenn. Oh, That'd be sorry. too easy. Apparently, the previous tenant uh, decided to remove things from her from her work. Okay, so she had this job, and she said, you know, I need some insulation for my walls. So I'm just going to take all of this home with me, and I'll put it inside my walls to insulate the house. Ugh. She's a bar. She she works at a salon. Okay. Hair. This this guy cuts open his window, and entire inside his wall is filled with human hair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why is that so gross? I mean, it it shouldn't be gross, but it's gross. (laughs) Makes it makes I feel like I've got hair on my tongue. Hair biodegrade, or does it? No, I guess it never does because you see them in tombs all the time from the ancient pharaohs. The hair is still there. It was not just hair, Glenn. It was dyed. Okay. There was like uh, chunks of dyed hair. There was like short hair. There was long hair. He says in Victoria, Australia, I initially thought it was insulation. And I said, well, that's weird insulation. And then he grabbed a clump on a wall and he said, yeah, it's almost like hair. And then he said, 
it's almost like it's human hair because it was a full array of human dyed hair colors. He and his friend looked at each other, dropped the clump. Yeah, and no then kidding. as they continued to pull hair out of the wall, apparently he said, we expressed a relief that there were no bones. Or I was just thinking <laughs> no skull attached. Makes me happy. <laughs> the previous occupant was a hairdresser. How much hair do you have to have to do your walls? A oh, my lot. God. Uh, so some of his friends said, no, dude, that hair is being used for witchcraft. It was being stored there for witchcraft. And uh, she was a hairdresser. Uh, he, after they started pulling it out, because they had the window removed, it started blowing through the house. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's since then found up in the attic. Oh, oh, he the found skulls? giant <laughs> bags of hair, oh. like bags of hair. He said, at least now, this is so Australian, because he's like, just say it like it's no big deal. Like, I found more hair and plastic bags in the roof. You know what? (laughs) Chris added, anytime I'll do any work to the house, I'll be expecting it now. No, burn the house down and move. It's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that's so disgusting, but it is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to everybody. How do they send you uh, weird news? Jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line like Brooke, Heather, Erica, Juliana, Laureen, Rosemary, and Rebecca all did. Rebecca is resp- I don't tell you usually who sends what, but she just wanted to clarify that's not typical <laughs> Australian not insulation. In <laughs> <laughs> hey, why did the owner name his racehorse bad news? You have a shot at this one, legitimately. Really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> why did the owner, owner name, name his, his racehorse bad news? Bad news. <sighs> I could give you a hint. Because he bad lost all news, his money. Because bad news. Because bad news travels fast. Yay! We're going to make that the last one. You got one. I'm going to make that partial the last credit. One. <laughs> I'm so happy. Made my day. <laughs> I hate you. Auditors, hang on. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about a meeting that Jennifer and I had yesterday coming up in the post show. Uh, just can I can I just tell you like yeah. why I get so mad? Okay, yes. this is what I got this morning on text. <laughs> My family ran a major fishing business. Anybody in the area who wanted to catch or sell any fish had to get permission from Grandpa. That's why they called him the Codfather. <laughs> it's not funny. Stop laughing. I get this stupid crap every day from my father-in-law. What does a racehorse like to drink after winning a race? Chardonnay. <sighs> oh, jeez. Nay. <laughs> So much happier now. <laughs> I quit. Lady <laughs> to go. You can't wait a post show to do. <laughs>